You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers Spiritual Grit Part 1. Well, we're proud of you teachers and all who work in the school system, and school is coming back, and I am coming back, and I have missed you over this past month, and you have been, yeah, you have, thank you, that's what I'm doing for you, I love you, appreciate you, I've been praying for you, you've been in great worship, you've been under great teaching, the Spirit of God is moving, we're fired up for what God is going to do next, and I can't wait to get at this, because you know when I come back, I'm in a little bit of fire, I've been waiting to get unleashed, so are you ready for this, can we go get this, let's do this, because I, I, hate, I hate to overpromise and oversimplify, but for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about something. That, listen, listen, if you had this in your life, it would probably do more to change your life for the good, for the long run, than just about anything else you're doing. And I know that sounds like, oh, that's oversimplifying, that's overpromising. But, but here's why. Because you probably already learned that worthwhile things are harder than expected. <laughs> Come on now. Worthwhile things are what? Harder than expected. Just how many of you have ever gone after something worthwhile? I don't care if it's a relationship, marriage, family, career, finance. Come on, hands up. How many of you ever discovered that it's harder than expected? You went after it. You're like, oh, I'm going to knock this out of the park. And then you're like, man, no, I could strike out. I mean, this is hard. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, college, you're about to go to college, man, you're gonna, man, I'm gonna kill it this year. Yeah, and then you're gonna hit that one teacher, that one class, or that one test, or in sports, you're gonna discover, man, some things are harder than expected. Marriage can be like that, man, worthwhile, but harder than expected. Marcia and I, we got married, ours is gonna be special. We're not going to experience what most of you did. It was, a, it was special. <laughs> now, you don't think that your marriage is going to experience that kind of conflict and that kind of confrontation and that kind of emotional distance or sexual frustration or, or financial setbacks. You're like, wow, this thing, I don't know, I want to be in. Harder than expected. Happens with job. Sometimes hard to get a job, harder to keep a job, harder to accomplish a job. Wow, that's a lot of that's more than I expected. That wasn't easy. And that can happen to you. Paying off debt, parenting, budgeting. Man, that <laughs> it happens with health and fitness. Check this out. I read this at a restaurant we're at this summer and I took a picture. I've been on a diet for two weeks so far, I've lost 14 days. Come on now. That's just hilarious. I mean, I get that. Because I tell myself, you know what? I'll be able to take that off. I mean, it's easier to put on pounds than take them off, right? Always harder than you expected. Hey, hey it, it's easier to be spiritually flabby in your faith than to be spiritually fit. And it's precisely because things are harder then expected that you need this thing we're going to talk about for the next two weeks. And what is that thing? Spiritual grit. 
It, I wrote it down for you. Say it with me, everybody across campus. What is it? Spiritual grit. Tell your neighbor they might not be listening. Tell them what it is. What, what, what is this thing that we all need? Spiritual grit. Because you need it. Because we all need it. And, and I'm telling you, if you go Google grit, you won't find a whole host of verses. <laughs> but if you understood the character and the content of, of grit, you would find it everywhere. So let me give you a definition that you can write down. Spiritual grit is the encouragement and endurance of Jesus. Spiritual grit is the encouragement. Say it with me. It's the what? Encouragement and the what? Endurance of Jesus. What you need, what would transform you, listen, that would do more to change your life. If you had spiritual grit, if you have the encouragement and the endurance of Jesus, that would do more to change your life than just about anything you're doing for the long run and for the better. That, that's how powerful this is. And if you go look up in scripture, encouragement, endurance, whoo, now you've got scripture all over the place. Let me, let me, just, let me just illustrate. Uh, encouragement. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be deceived. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. See things as God sees them with eternal eyes and sovereign hope. That's all over the Bible, right? The answer is yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Endurance, persevering, steadfast, faithful, stand firm. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep climbing. Endure to the end. Finish well. That's all over the Bible, right? Yes. The Bible's filled with spiritual grit. Spiritual grit is the encouragement and the endurance of Jesus. We all need this. Change your life. Look, look, look how Jesus himself walked through this. This is Hebrews chapter 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with, come on everybody, what? Endurance. Let's run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking to who? Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus. This is all because of Jesus. If you're going to heaven, it's because of Jesus. This church exists because of Jesus. The hope of anything being transformed in your life is because of Jesus. And the scripture goes on. Who for the joy that was set before him endured what? Did what? endured the cross. Listen, for the joy set before him, for, what, for this encouragement sent in front of him, the joy, the hope set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, Je Jesus had encouragement and endurance. That's what enabled him to walk through the cross Rise from the dead, and I want to talk about it. I want to give you a picture. I don't, I, I don't know if this is helpful, but, but this is helpful to me, so I thought, hey, pass it on to everybody else. you got places in your notes. You're already jotting notes down, but, but here you go. If you want to write this down, you can. Things are often harder than expected. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the cross for Jesus was harder than expected. Think about that. I mean, he's in eternity past saying that he will be our redeemer. He'll leave heaven, come to earth, and conquer sin and death for our sake. But he finally had to leave heaven and come to earth and embody physical human body. I mean, this is God everywhere present, setting aside, suspending his glory, and now living in a limited little human body. And then after 33 years, he's going to go to the cross. And before he goes, we find him in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying wrestling 
sweat drops of blood. Why? Because this is going to be harder than he thought. Father, could we let this cup pass? Could we not do it this way? I mean, he's going to be betrayed, denied by his friends. He's going to be left emotionally alone. He's going to be physically beaten. He's going to be crucified. Whew. No, thank you. I mean, Scripture gives us evidence that for Jesus, the cross was harder than expected. By the way, when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, it's going to be harder than you expect. It's harder than Jesus expected, so how did he get through it? Well, when he went to the garden, what happened in the garden? What did the Father give him? What did the Holy Spirit give him? Encouragement. He was encouraged. Say it with me. He was what? Encouraged. Like the Father and the Holy Spirit was pouring courage into Jesus, saying, okay, but it's harder right now, but, but where is it going? See, for the joy set before him, for the hope of looking to what would come on the other side of what's harder than expected, that right there, that picture, if you could see beyond, listen, Jesus, you got to see past the pain, you got to see past the problem, you, you got to see to what God is about to do. See, on the other side of the cross is a resurrection to new life. By the way, I don't know, you may never think about this, but, but I believe that the Father and the Holy Spirit is telling Jesus, remember, we get to be reunited. I mean, gee, the, the, the Trinity has been together for all of eternity. Only for a season of time do they have that kind of unique, distinct separation. And now you get to come back home, Jesus, restored to who you were created to be. That's the encouragement. You're on the other side. Oh, that's joy. That's hope, yes. And more than that, new life for everybody. You're going to conquer sin and death for all the people that we love. We get to bring back into the, our kingdom, and they're going to be transformed. Aren't you grateful that God spoke into the spirit of Jesus and said, remember, there's joy and there's hope. And Jesus said, well, I can endure the cross for that I can do it for that listen if you can't see past your problems and pain you'll never do what Jesus did you won't endure that's what allows you to endure you got to have joy and hope you got to see the other side you got to see as God sees this past month, when, when, when Miles Welch is talking out of Revelation 1 to 5, and he talks about God's sovereignty, it's because God's doing things you can't see. He's sovereignly over it all. He's in charge. If you had God's eyes, you'd have joy and hope in the midst of difficulty that's harder than expected. Got to see as God sees. That's the power of prayer. It gives you encouragement. Sean talked about Feeding the 5,000. Hey, the disciples couldn't see any way to feed the 5,000, which is really 25,000 people. They said, send them away. Jesus said, let's pray. <laughs> he saw how that would be possible. But what does Satan major in? Discouragement. That's down here. And He'll do everything he can to discourage you. And that's not filled with joy. That's filled with fear. That's what starts to come in your soul. And instead of hope, it's hopeless. And you know this. You know he starts speaking in and you get downcast and you can't see beyond your circumstance. And now the pain is too great. The problem is too great. I can't, listen, our mar oh, I, I can't see how our marriage can go anywhere. This is hopeless. I'm afraid this job isn't going to work. I'm afraid our finances are going to crash. I'm afraid our kids aren't going to become. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. God can't use me like he said. I'm I'm afraid God won't answer my prayer. I'm afraid I can't trust God financially, so I'm not going to honor him. I, I, I'm afraid of my health. I'm afraid. Of, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. You get filled with that, and Satan's winning because when you get discouraged instead of endure, you just end. 
things. Come on now. Are we talking? This is true. You have places in your life right now where it's harder than you think, and Satan is trying to get your eyes to be right down here instead of rise up to Jesus and the encouragement that he would give you to see past your pain and your problems. You gotta look up. You keep looking down, you're gonna, this is gonna be rough. I had a call to ministry when I was 16 years old. When I was 18, after my first year of college, going into my second year of college, the first year was so difficult financially. We came from a poor family. You know, it's kind of broken. Single mom had no way to make it. What they were requiring of me financially at the front end, and I quit. I quit. I just ended college. I didn't, I, like, I'm done. I'm not going. My mom, she's like, she's out of, she said, son, you can't quit. You got a call on your life. I said, mom, it's not. I, can't, I see no way. I see no way. I'm done, I'll just go work at McDonald's. I just, I, and I did, I got a job at McDonald's. I'm like, I see no way. She hooked me up with another pastor and he sat down at lunch. What did he do for me? Listen, did he change my problems? Did he make it easier? Did he remove all the barriers? Did he, over lunch, an hour lunch, did he change everything? No. You know what he did? He breathed hope and joy and reminded me who God was and got me, instead of looking down, to look up and say, listen, if God called you, God will provide for you. If God's asking you to do something, you gotta walk. It doesn't mean it'll always be easy. It doesn't mean it'll work out well. It just means you gotta go after it. And then, by the way, I can help you get a job there with UPS, et cetera. He gave me all sorts of plans. He said, you gotta look up. I said, okay. And he breathed encouragement. God used him to breathe encouragement to help me see past my problems and my pain and my fears and, my, and, and bring hope back in. Well, I signed up for college. Did any of the things work out the way he said he would help make them work out that pastor not a one of them but God did a whole list of different things hey I'm here I mean I got into ministry at work can you imagine if I'd let it in back there listen God sees you down the road and it's awesome if you would get in prayer and trust him instead of look down look up that's what gave Jesus the power to endure gives you the power to endure And that's why when you start looking in Scripture, you'll see it all over the place. Look at Romans chapter 15. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance, there it is, taught in the Scriptures and the what? Encouragement. I can't hear you. The what? Encouragement. They provide we might have hope. Well, it's all over. May the God who gives. Oh, this is awesome. The God who what? gives endurance and encouragement, give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Now listen, I don't have the context. There's more context to that scripture. But it's not out of context to say God is the one who gives encouragement and the God is the one who gives endurance. And as soon as you know that, man, you go to this God and he will give it to you. By the way, when he says he gives it to you, he grows it in you. It's not just poof, you got it now. You have spiritual grit. It's not, oh God, give me spiritual grit. Oh, poof, you got it. You're good. And you walk around, oh, I have no problems. What's wrong with you? Don't be weird. <laughs> of course you have problems. It's just that you have an encouragement because God's helping you sovereignly see further than you can. And you know he has something good on the other side. And he's the one you trust. And now you can endure like nobody else on earth. You have hope. You have joy. And so we're going to spend the rest of today's time on the encouragement piece. Jesus with Peter. And then next week I'm going to pick up and talk about the endurance piece. Jesus with Paul. So with the rest of our time, let's get out. I'm, I'm going to contain myself. Try to keep inside my time. They always give me time. I got to stay inside time. So I'm going to need both services to teach.
Here we go. Let's tap into Jesus with Peter and encouragement. And there are three things. Jot these down. Three things that you got to know. Peter learned it. Jesus would teach it. God's calling is harder than expected. Just jot it down. God's calling is harder than expected. Secondly, you need to know prayer is more powerful than expected. I mean, if it was just number one, we'd all be in trouble. We've got good news. Prayer is more powerful than expected. And number three, God gives more encouragement than expected. Write them all down because, listen, I want to tell stories of, of Jesus and Peter. We've tapped into these this last month. I'm going to talk, talk through stories, and then you'll see how these three are progressively true again and again. And if you'll tap into this, God will make them true in your life. So let's see through the stories. Last weekend, the campus pastors, which, by the way, Campus pastors did a great job across the campuses. Everybody lift it up. Say thank you, campus pastors. Cameron here at Central. Awesome, awesome, awesome job. And they sat inside the scripture where Jesus uh, kind of taught to the crowd in the boat with the disciples. Peter was there. And, and then they're, Peter, remember, they're all fishing and they're fishermen. And, and, G, and they, they can't catch fish. And then Jesus helps them catch fish. And they bring it ashore. And Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. And in other words, I have a call upon your life. Campus pastors did a great job teaching that and reminding us that we are all called to be fishers of men. If you're not clear what that means, let me just help you. As soon as you come to a relationship with God through Jesus, because of Jesus, you have a call of what, everybody? A call on your life. All of a sudden, the most important thing you're doing in your life is walking with Jesus. And now you're, you're, part of your call in your life is to be a fisher of people, to help bring people, real people. He's using that. So you kind of hook them and reel them into the kingdom, reel them into a relationship with Jesus, which means the most important thing you do every day is not fish for fish. In other words, it's not making money. It's not business, although you're all doing that. It's helping people come to Jesus. Some way, somehow, by God's grace, we're all fishers of people. So you are like, don't tell everybody, but you're like undercover spies for the kingdom. And the world's paying you to do this. And so whether you're running a billion-dollar company or working for a billion-dollar company or multimillionaire or, or, or whether or not you've got your own little business or whether or not you're working at home full-time, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're a student. Everywhere God puts you, he puts people around you through whom you're going to be the witness of God and help bring them to Jesus because Jesus is the only hope. This is who you are. Peter's like, all right, I'm in. And then Peter discovered it's harder than expected. Because he discovers Jesus says he's got to go to the cross and die. And, 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 and he's going to rise from the dead. But Peter can't hear that. He's like, oh, no, you're not going to do that. He says, oh, yeah, yes, I am. And he says, not only that, but you're going to deny me. And Peter says, I'm not going to deny you. Trust me. <laughs> you can always tell when somebody has no experience. Because they have confidence. <laughs> right? I mean, I, listen, if you're young, we love you. We love your confidence. Oh, have at it. <laughs> Go ahead. Because yeah, most worthwhile things are harder than expected. So we don't want you to fail. We just want you to know what we know. It's harder than expected. And, and Peter discovered that this thing of the calling of God is harder than expected because he did deny Jesus three times. But here's what Jesus said to Peter. Then the Lord said, Simon, Simon. When he told me he would deny him, he said, Simon, Simon, which is Peter. Peter, Peter, listen. Satan has demanded to have 
you apostles for himself. He wants to separate you from me as a farmer separates wheat from husks. You see what Jesus said next? I mean, that could have been the end of the conversation, but it wasn't. Jesus was about to breathe encouragement into the spirit of Peter. I want you to know, I have prayed for you. Let me just pause right here. I don't care how hard things are right now. What I want you to know is Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is on your side. Jesus isn't like, oh, I want to see you fall. No, it's just, Peter, listen, I prayed for you. Simon, that, that your faith will not fail. Listen, you're going to fall, but I don't want you to fail. So, so that when you recover, he's already speaking hope into him. Hey, by the way, Peter, you're going to fall. Good news, you'll recover. And, and when you recover, strengthen the other disciples. Encourage everybody else. Do you, have you ever seen that before, that Jesus was breathing encouragement into Peter before Peter even saw it? Peter, Satan wants to attack you and discourage you. Listen, men and women, you're experiencing that somewhere in your life where things are harder than expected. And you may not be talking about it, or you may be, but it's producing a discouragement and a weight and a burden It's a burden that's harder than you think. There's a call on all of our lives, and it's harder than you think. And pretty soon, you just disqualify yourself from being a fisher of men or anything in the kingdom. That's for everybody else. But I have prayed for you. Because prayer is more powerful than expected. Prayer is more what? Powerful. Prayer is more what? Powerful than expected. Jesus, I prayed for you. By the way, did you see Jesus' prayer? Did Jesus pray, God, make things easy on Peter? I mean, like, like if Jesus was going to pray for me, what I want the prayer to be is this. Remove all the problems and make it easy. Isn't that, like, if you want, like, like, Jesus, you won't pray for me. Let me tell you what my prayer would be. Remove all the barriers. Jesus, I, I, over here, Jesus, I, I don't want to endure. I just want to leap. I just, just, just take me there. Jesus did not pray that it would be easy. He prayed that Peter would have encouragement and endure. He was praying for spiritual grit. For what? Spirit. Listen, I, I don't know, but maybe we have the wrong prayers. Maybe we keep praying for easy, and God wants to grow grit. Maybe we keep praying for an easy marriage, and God wants to grow a marriage with spiritual grit. Maybe we keep praying for an easy life, and God wants to grow spiritual grit. Maybe God wants a church full of people at 12 Stone to have spiritual grit. Because God's calling, which is so worthwhile, is often harder than expected. We got a vision 2021, things God's called us to as a church. Transform souls, transform families, transform communities. We can't do that. Jesus does that. It's because of Jesus. But he invites us into it. We're a part of it. I've, I've, I've talked with a couple hundred 12 stone families already coming into the summer who are already making financial decisions for Vision 2021 to happen beyond their already giving. It's sacrificial, it's costly, it's gonna be harder than they think. I'm gonna to talk to another group of people in August, another group of people in September, all of us by October, we're all gonna be involved in this, and of course it's gonna be harder than we think all along the way, but he's with us, and on the other side of this is transformation. Well, of course we wanna be a part of this. 
And, and God has callings on your life, and God has callings on your marriage, and calling on your family, and calling on your career, and God had a calling on Peter's life. And even though Jesus knew Peter would deny him, Jesus was encouraging him. I love that, because God is more encouraging than expected. God's not discouraging. He's more encouraging. He was saying to Peter, I've prayed for you. Look, you're going to fall, but I'm praying that you'll rise. Listen, listen, say, say with me. We don't think prayer is all that important. But how did Jesus get through the cross? He went to the garden and what? Prayed. Peter fell asleep. I just wonder if Peter had prayed how much power he would have had. Because Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed for Peter that he would rise. God gives far more encouragement than expected. And, and, and God, Jesus was saying to Peter, I know you'll fall, but you can grow. You can what? We, you should write that down. We should just, I'll just do it. He, you can grow. In other words, Peter, you might be right here, but I know that you can grow. I know who you can become. I want you to see who you can become. I want, you can grow. And because God sees into the future and God is sovereignly working, God's taking you places. Peter, I just want you to know you can grow. By the way, everybody, you can grow. Your marriage can grow. Your family can grow. Your career can grow. Your leadership can grow. Your discipline can grow. Your character can grow. Thanks be to God. Who you were, you don't have to be tomorrow. Yes, you can be beyond where you are today by the power of God. You can grow. That's what he's saying. So just because things are hard and you see it right here, that's what Jason Berry was teaching us that. When Jason took us through the story in John 21 and, and Peter who fails Jesus and denies him and ends up in the, just, you know, I'm going to go fishing for fish. Gee, Peter goes back to fishing for fish. Like, I can't do my calling. I messed up. This doesn't work. Man, and Jason helped us grasp something of the power of God when he speaks. And Jesus stood on the shore and said, hey, how's the fishing going? I said, oh, not so good. Catching any fish? No, no. Well, cast your nets on the other side. I'm not going to go through the story. Jason already taught it. Cast your nets on the other side. And they, and, and they got a, a net full of fish, 153 fish. How's that even possible? Listen, it's, it's not like the fish, like, here comes the net. Go to the other side. It's not, fish don't play hide and seek. I mean, it seems like they do. And then swim to the other side. And then Jesus says, they're on that side of the boat. And the fish are like, come on. I mean, we had them. No, when, when Jesus said, throw the net on the other side. Listen, when Jesus spoke, the fish went in the net. Listen. Prayer is not powerful. Jesus is powerful. And prayer is powerful because when we speak to Jesus, Jesus will speak on our behalf. And when Jesus speaks, things move. See, prayer moves things in heaven and move things on earth because the supernatural moves in the natural. And if you keep your eyes down and you only see the natural, you miss out on the power of God and what he's actually doing. The biggest kingdom, the real kingdom is the kingdom of God. And that's why we pray. Amen, church? It's all because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. I, I've heard people say, oh, did you hear him pray? Did you hear her pray? That prayer was so powerful. Can I tell you something? Nobody's ever prayed a powerful prayer. Your, your, prayer, your words aren't like, whole oh, glorious words. And then you pray and people go, oh. He got up in heaven, write that down. That was so good. <laughs> Jesus, did you get one of the best prayers I've ever heard? 
I'm now, you know what? I'm going to learn that prayer and I'm going to use that. God's not up there doing that. Prayer is not powerful because we speak. Prayer is powerful because Jesus speaks. And when Jesus speaks, it moves things that you could never move. You can't find fish. You can't solve your marriage. You can't transform your kids. You can't figure out business. You can't solve the calamities in our culture. But I'll tell you what, you can pray and Jesus can speak. And that changes everything. And Jesus spoke and Peter figured it out. Jesus said, get back to fishing for people. Don't fish for fish. Don't make that your primary thing. Make your primary thing the call of God on your life. You were created for this. Don't listen. Many of us lose that. We, sl- we drift off. We go, we go, you know, we're fishing for, oh, I'm for the kingdom of God. And then pretty soon we're over here. Oh, God, make my kingdom great. No, stay fishing for, for people. Be about people. Be about the kingdom. Those are important thing because you can grow. You can what? Peter, you can grow. By the way, all of us, you can grow. And I have a story of growing. I have a fishing story from the summer. Can't wait to tell you. So here's my fishing story. Whether you want it or not. Some of you know me well, and you've been around here, and you know I'm not a water person, which means I don't go do the water things. I mean, I'm not, I've told you before, I'm going to die someday. I'm just not going to die drowning, so I'm never going to put myself in a place where I possibly could. It's not that I can't swim. I have great swim lessons. I've I've done all kinds of stuff, skied, whatever. But but my son asked me this summer, Jaden, who turned 16, got his license, awesome summer. He said, Dad, what is that with you? Why? I said, well, let me take you back. When I was 11 years old, I had a near-drowning experience, and it terrified me, and it set fear in my soul, and it defined me. And I said after that, I'm not going to put myself in certain situations. Again, when your mom and I went on that stupid whitewater trip that some of you have heard, and the boat flipped, I'm like, I love her, but she's going to go see Jesus, but I am not going in the water. I'm not going in the water. Love you, baby. I've had other experiences and stories. You think I've told you everything, but I haven't. I don't do the water thing, so I don't, I don't get out on boats. I don't go out in the ocean. I, you know, I don't care and sit on the beach. I can swim. I can whatever. I have no interest. I don't love it. Quit asking me. Quit inviting me. Past three years, somebody who doesn't go to this church and connected with Equip and Maxwell Leadership Organization and the stuff that we do, and he's, he's lives in another state, but building kind of a connection and friendship over the last three years, and he keeps asking me, hey, why don't you come with us, uh, get on our boat, I got a fishing boat, uh, just fly to the Bahamas and hang with us for a couple days and experience it, and I'm like, no, no, because he doesn't know me. I'm like, that, if you knew me, that would be a dumb ask. Why are you, why are you, why are you asking? And, and this spring, the Spirit of God kept saying, whispering to me like encouragement, go do it. I want you to build that relationship. I want you to invest in that relationship. I want you to go do it. I'm like, I'm not doing it because I don't do this. Apparently, Jesus, you don't know the story. thought you had a good memory. Let me take you back. Let me tell you who I am. You know, God's busy. Apparently, he can forget. So I reminded him, and he said, look, but you can grow. You can what? I didn't care for that. Because let me just say, I know I can, but I don't want to. No, you can grow beyond that. It doesn't have to define you. I said, well, it does, and I want it to. So... You know where this is going. I eventually surrender and say, I'm going to do this. We're going to fly to the Bahamas. We're going to hang with them on a boat. I don't want to hang with them on a boat. Make sure we got a hotel. Let's spend most of our time in the hotel. <laughs> so when we get there, I don't know what's, what's going to happen. We don't go to the hotel. When we land, he just puts us on his boat, and he drives out into the ocean. What are we doing? I don't want to, I don't want to be. He said, we're going to see what your tolerance is for water. Let's go snorkeling. <laughs> I don't do that. He says, you get, you, all you do, put the mask on, put the snorkel, breathe in slow so you don't get water. Breathe out to get all the water out. I don't know what I'm doing. 
I get in the water. Jane's in the water. Marsha's in the water. We're all in the water. James, my friend's in the water. I'm just going like, what am I doing? And here comes a stingray. He lifts his head up. Feed the stingray. Here's, here, here's some fish. Feed the, I don't want to feed the stingray. Isn't that how Steve Irwin died? Trying to play with one of those things? I mean, I'm not the crocodile hunter. That's a serious story. He tried to make me feed the stupid thing, which I started to, and then it turned on, oh, dear God, and the, the thing moves toward me, and I, you know, I'm swimming, and then, and then we see sharks. He said, oh, we want to see sharks. Have you not seen Jaws? Why we don't want to see sharks? We're fish bait. I get up, and I'm like, there's a shark. He said, yeah, it's awesome. No, it's not. He said, it's a nurse shark. What's a nurse shark? I get a little education. I don't even care that it's a nurse shark. It's got a fin. It's got a mouth. It's in the water. What are we doing? I look up, and I see, like, boats are all around us. We're the only ones in the water, and they're yelling, shark, we're the stupid ones. What are we doing? I'm in the water, and I'm... I'm like, dear God, call my soul. You made me get out here. Did you quit loving me? I don't want to grow. Another shark comes along. I get up. What's that? He said, don't go near that one. That's a reef shark. <laughs> well, why is he swimming around? How do you know he's not hungry? Dear God, get us back in the boat. Now, this whole time, I'm acting like I'm cool. This is awesome. This is not awesome. This is terrifying. I don't do this. And at the end of that night, he says, hey, guess what we want to do tomorrow? We want to go 25, 30 miles out in the ocean. I said, like, from land? Because, <laughs> listen, I don't have a fear of water. I just have to see land. Always. I have to see. If I see land, I'm calm. If I can't see land, what, it's, just bad. it's not going to work. I need to see land. Will we see land? 25, 30 miles out in the ocean? Oh, dear God, I don't. And Marcia's, like, like, she doesn't know me. She says, oh, this would be awesome. And I'm thinking, why are you here? How is that awesome? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. I didn't sleep that night. One, two, three a.m. I'm like, oh, dear God, calm my spirit. I, this is driving me nuts. We got these little things to keep us from getting seasick. And I said, well, okay, God, if you're going to do this, you're already killing me. If you're going to do this, would you just make the water calm? You know what? I'm going to quit resisting you. I'm just going to say, if you can grow me, could you at least make the water calm? I don't want to get sick. I've done this halfway one time and fed the fish for hours. I don't want to go do this. So, Lord, would you at least make me calm and make the water calm? 30 miles out the next morning, I have these few moments where I start to panic. I'm like, oh, dear God, oh, dear God, calm me. That's one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. And I couldn't see land. And you're thinking, what difference if you could see land? You couldn't get there. Oh, that's not true. If I, listen, if I saw land, I could get there. Well, the sharks will get you. No, the sharks will get the person next to me. I will knife them, leave the blood trail. I will swim. And I can't see land 25, 30 miles out. And we start fishing and we start hauling in tuna. That is one of the coolest, funnest things. Marsh is hauling in. I'm hauling. I'm like, I'm looking around. I'm like, God, this is beautiful. I'm as calm as calm can be. I'm like, you answer prayer. You're changing me. This is the weirdest. I used to be this. I'm out here. I said, God, would you let me? I know it's a dumb prayer, but would you let me experience something heavy like 80, 100-pound fish? Two hours later, I'm reeling in this. God, check it out.
Come here, ass cap. Wine like crazy. Wine. You got wine like crazy. Wine like crazy. Wine, 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 wine. Come on now, you don't have to get excited, but I was excited, that blew my mind. Now, I have a fish story of the biggest fish that got away, because that thing's 200 plus pounds bigger than me, and it got away, about 30 yards from the boat. But it occurred to me, I never asked Jesus to help me bring it in, I just said, could I feel it? Should have changed my prayer, should have changed my prayer. Here's the point, you ready? I don't have to be defined by what happened at 11 and in my 20s. I can grow up. I can grow. Listen, wherever your marriage is, your family is, your careers, your finances, your character, your faith, what he knows is that you can grow. If you would let, if you would engage prayer and seek God, the Holy Spirit would breathe encouragement in your life, into your marriage, into your family, into your finances, into your career, into your character, into your future. He would give you a sense of hope of what God can do. And in that is great joy. And that's what allows you to endure. And you need the encouragement of God that you know you can grow. When we're changing Sunday nights around 12 stone, it's to attend to the vision of God. Because God's saying, you can grow. And we're all going to grow together on Sunday nights. May you check out the options at 12stone.com for Sunday nights. And we're shifting. You'll have an opportunity to pick classes, workshops, courses, and find the thing that God's going to use. A lot of conversation. We're having a family dinner about it on August 11th. You all ought to be a part of it. Just everybody should be coming, having dinner together, experiencing what this shift means for all of us. Because we can grow. Peter, you can grow. Now, I want you to look at Acts chapter 2. It's here on the scripture. Here's, here's what he knew. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the church that day. Do you see what just happened? They went in prayer in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came, and Peter became a fisher of men. The very thing Jesus said you could become and grow into, he did. He was the first one to preach the gospel, and people came into the kingdom. How spectacular is that? Come on. We ought to say, wow, only God. Only God. Only God. Can I tell you something? Jesus sees things for your marriage you don't see. Jesus sees things for your family you don't see. Jesus sees things for your life. Doesn't matter how young or how old you are. He sees things out here. You hang in prayer with him and you will discover while God's call is harder than expected, prayer is more powerful than expected. And God gives more encouragement than expected. And that's why Romans 12, 12 is so meaningful. God whispered this scripture, told me to memorize it, this past early spring, and I've been sitting in this sense. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. 
Stay with me. I tell you a lot of stories, but I don't tell you all of them. Most of the things that are traumatic in my soul, I can't share while I'm going through them. So there's stories I'm not gonna share with you. But God is requiring me to go a new layer of encouragement, joy, and hope. And he has been for a bit of time. Maybe he's doing it in you. And he said, son, I don't want you to endure with misery. Are you hearing me? I mean, being a Christian that endures with discouragement is rough. So son, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. If you would be faithful in prayer, you would have this patience and affliction because you would know the hope that he has because he sees you can grow.
sing this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Oh, chains fall, fear bow, heal. Sing, he changes everything. Jesus, you change everything. Lies, heal, hope, found, heal. Sing it over yourself. Jesus, you change everything. 